Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. You know, why don't you join with us by getting your Bible, getting the, the Word of God right now. We're going to be going in just a moment to the book of Philippians, to the New Testament epistle of Philippians. Uh, this is the epistle of Paul, is what it is determined to be. The epistle of Paul, uh, the apostle to the church in Philippi. What in the world is an epistle? When I was a young man, I used to imagine that an epistle was the wife of an apostle. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. <laughs> but I do say that every now and then. That's so, you know, there's, there's so many things you can say that sound religious. You know, like, uh, uh, let's see, uh, the book of Hezekiah. Turn to the book of Hezekiah. There is no book of Hezekiah, you know. But doesn't it sound like it ought to be a book of Hezekiah? Sure it does, yeah. Well, tonight as well, for those of you that are here on campus, um, our Finding the Rock class, our, our membership class is going on here in our uh, facilities. And for those of you who may be joining us online, let me encourage you to visit our website, okay? Uh, you know, part of our congregation, a part of our family online, please join with us in taking advantage of the resources that we offer in order for people to get founded and grounded in the Word of God. One of the things that the Bible says that we should know those that labor among us in the Lord. That means that we should come be, become familiar with others who we're walking along on this road with. And so one of the ways you can do that through Church Online is to go to cotr.com, Church on the Rock, cotr.com. And there if you'll scroll down through, uh, through our website there, uh, you'll find a place that says resources. And there are so many resources there. And one of the resources that we offer is our Finding the Rock class online so that you can understand what we believe and, uh, and you can know, what we're, you know why we do what we do here in our community and around the world. So take advantage of that if you would. You can find us right here at Church Online with a word from God, a fresh word from God, encouraging word from God, and a word for today. Well, this evening we're going to be going, as I said, to the book of Philippians. And uh, let me catch us up. Tonight our, our title is just a man's name, Epaphroditus. And most of us probably have read that at some point. If you've read the New Testament, you've read that name in the book of Philippians. And, uh, you know, uh, many times we read these names and we just pass right over them and we don't know who in the world they are. But one of the things we can do uh, on a Wednesday night, you know, that we're not necessarily able to do on a Sunday morning, is to do a little more of a teaching in order to, to um, better educate ourselves as to what was going on in the time periods that we read in the Bible and who the characters were and what significant parts they played in their day as well as to how does that dovetail what does that mean for us today how can we take what the Word of God says and and apply it to our lives today do you know that uh, there are 783,000 and a few maybe 137 783,000 words in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? A little more than three million individual letters. 
783,000 words. That sounds like a lot of words, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it sound like a lot of words? Yeah, it does. But do you know that, that I've, I've, I've researched how many words I personally have written in my sermon notes? Just on, on the average of two sermons each week. For example, my sermon notes that are written and published for tonight have a little over 1,200 words in them. You know, and uh, th th this is of short sermon notes. You know, many times they're 2,500, 2,600 words, 2,200 words about, you know, an average. But if we just took the 1,200 words on an average and uh, over the times that I preach on a normal weekly, well, just two times per week actually, and I, I normally teach a little more than that, not including the books I've written and the materials, you know, that we publish, you know, uh, I have written a little more than 5 million words on the 783,000 words in the Bible. I've written over a little, a little over, personally written and published, just in my sermon notes, a little over 5 million words. Uh, now, if we counted, you know, the devotionals and the, and the curriculum and all that stuff and all the leadership training and the conferences and all, there's no telling how many. But can you imagine... Now, and Pastor Ken, I don't know, no telling how many he's written, okay? But can you imagine how many pastors, if we multiplied that, time all of the ministers and teachers, not just pastors, but teachers and evangelists and, you know, all of the, how many has been written by all the people that are alive today? How many words have been written about that 783,000 words? Can you imagine if we took it back just our lifetime? How about back 2,000 years? Imagine how many words have been written about these 783,000 words in the Bible. I reckon that just like John said about Jesus, if everything he had done had been actually written about, then you know, it would, it, the, the, the books of this world cannot connect. Well, that's what we're doing. We're writing about what Jesus did, all the books that have been written about what he done. You know, the world could not contain in fact, I would submit to you that there's more, oh, I mean, mountains and mountains and mountains more have been written about these precious 783,000 plus words than any other thing on top of how much it's been talked about, written about, studied, taken apart. Why? Because every word of God has value. There is no word of God that is void of power or meaning. These 783,000 plus pieces to a puzzle that paint one picture, a picture of redemption. And every one of them, you know, falls upon us with a power that God is able to release from that word so it can accomplish a purpose because God's word contains that power for a purpose. So tonight as we study this, learn just a little bit about this one word, which happens to be a name, which really is only mentioned twice in the Bible, Epaphroditus, okay? Uh, and if you have the King James Version, then there is a postscript 
to the book of Philippians, it says written by, you know, the hand of Epaphroditus. So that'd be a third time. But, but we're going to look at this and, and let me catch us up a little bit on the setting, on what was going on, what went when and things are going on, you know, about this writing. Uh, it was about the year 51 AD, okay? In the year 51, the apostle Paul, we believe, was 46 years old. What were you doing when you were 46, or what do you think you'll be doing when you are 46? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul uh, was doing whenever he first went to Europe. You know, he was 46 years old. He had a team of, 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 of ministers and evangelists with him, and he was missionary evangelist, and he was going out with his team, and he was, you know, going to city after city and sharing the Word of God. His first time to Europe, and he stops in this town of Philippi. It was the first city that he preached the Word of God in, as we have record. And so there he's preaching, and he's doing well. He only spends just perhaps a few short days or weeks there you know I mean he didn't spend a long time there in Philippi as we understand he led a woman named Lydia to the Lord and you can read about this in Acts chapter 16 and there you know he's, he's having a good time and then all of a sudden because you know he he helped a young girl who was bound by a demon to get set free you know some businessmen in the community that felt as though they had lost their income uh, because of what the Apostle Paul had done they got him and they dragged Paul and Silas into the city center. You may remember the story. And there in the city center, they called the magistrates who were the city leaders, the political leadership of the city. They brought them into the city. And then this angry mob began to be incited as these businessmen began to accuse Paul and Silas of ruining their business and, and, and turning the world upside down and destroying the business opportunities and, and all these things. And, and teaching Romans things to do that were not lawful to do. And so this mob got all, un, you know, all excited and this, this multitude, and they began to really, you know, uh, they got so excited that the magistrates, the political leaders of that day said, we better do something to appease this crowd because this crowd could easily overwhelm us. So, and, you know, and we don't want to go against the multitudes. We don't want to go against those, you know, uh, uh, voters, if you will. The, our support group so let's 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 do something to to show them that we're in support of them and so they stripped Paul and Silas naked in public and then they beat them with rods then there's some indication they actually chained them and took them and put them into a dark dungeon and put their feet into stocks and there they were overnight but you know Paul and Silas you know, in their midnight hour, they, they prayed and they sang praises unto God, you know. They didn't just bemoan their situation. They lifted up the name of Jesus and sang praises. The Bible says the prisoners were listening. And all of a sudden, God sent an earthquake which shook the prison doors open. And the chains fell off of all the prisoners. And amazing things. I guess the stocks released as well. And as we understand from, from uh, 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 more testimony later on in Acts, 16 it appears that all of those people in the jail got saved and not only that but as uh, you know a, a subsequent and because of that the jailer and all of his household were saved and what an amazing miraculous move of the Holy Spirit here through the Apostle Paul and 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 the church in Philippi was birthed 
This was, you know, I mean, these people got born again, and no doubt Lydia was in the church, and the jailer was in the church, and some of the prisoners were in the church, and the prisoners' families, don't you know, they were happy that, the, 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 that their, you know, uh, husbands most likely had gotten saved and gotten born again and changed their lives and stopped their ways of, of, of you know, of, of robbing or thieving or whatever they were doing. They got put into jail to begin with, and, 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 and you, know, uh, you know, most likely, I imagine, that young lady that got set free from that spirit of divination was in the church and you know and 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 there was some devout women and some you know businessmen and and but but they came the next day the, the political leaders and they asked Paul and Silas to leave the city so Paul and Silas went and said their goodbyes at the house of Lydia gathered their stuff they left the city went down to Thessalonica they weren't in Thessalonica very long uh, and trouble came there as well another mob and and they had to leave there and then you know on that keep reading through there and you'll see multitudes mobs and crowds you know were controlling all the pressure well all of this was ongoing in the apostle paul's life it's something that just happened and it still happens sometimes whenever someone who is who has a voice that is right goes against those things that are making people money that are you know I mean, you can unsettle some, you know, I mean, can you imagine if you actually uh, went into place and started, you know, getting some people born again and they started doing right who had been doing wrong? Uh, they, maybe they stopped, uh, like, like in Ephesus, maybe they stopped buying those curious arts to worship the idols with and all the silversmiths got angry because their money was taken away from them and, and they could no longer, you know, make the money. And so what they do, they got a crowd, they got a about 25,000 people filled that auditorium. Some of you were there with me this, uh, th just this year, just a few months ago. We went to Ephesus, and I showed you that 25,000-seat uh, theater into which you know, they, they, they filled it. And the Bible says that the, that the crowd was so confused, many of them didn't even know what they were there for. But they were just there in that you know, insightful right. In a, and so the city leaders came out and said, okay, what we got to do? We got to get, you know, Paul, you got to get out of here. And so, you know, Paul leaves again. It followed him and followed him. In fact, about 11 years after the Apostle Paul had first gone to Philippi for those few days, about 11 years after that, the Apostle Paul finds himself in another jail, in another prison. He's uh, under arrest in a residence uh, in Rome, that is connected to this evil lunatic Nero, okay, Emperor Nero. And there he is in jail because another mob, another crowd, another multitude of people in Jerusalem had gotten mad and angry and, and, and you know, uh, risen up against him because he was preaching Christ. And, and there was such a turmoil and he was getting all beat up and everything that, that the Roman soldiers had to come and rescue him and pull him out. And then this angry mob, 40 of them made a commitment that they would never eat another bite of food until they had killed the apostle paul well that became known god let it be known and so they took the apostle paul by secret and took him to caesarea kept him there under house arrest for a couple of years and then put him on a boat and sent him to rome and now we're another you know perhaps a couple of years after that and the apostle paul in the year a.d 61 or 62 okay now he's 56 years old and he's gone through this so many times 
But all during his journeys, he has kept connection and kept in contact with the church in Philippi. He's checked on them to know what they were doing. And he even went back through there, as many uh, indications are, you know, on, 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 on his way back to Jerusalem. And so he knows what's going on in Philippi, and he's very happy. And they know what's going on with him. They know where he is. They know why he's there. They know what's been going on in his life. They know how he spread the gospel. And they have been supporting him. They have been helping him. They've been praying for him. They've been, you know, uh, uh, serving him every chance they get. And they've been financially supporting his ministry. Okay? And so uh, we, we find uh, that uh, while he was in prison in Rome, again about the year A.D. 61-62, that the church in Philippi decided that they were going to send a man with some financial support and also to help and serve the needs of the ministry that the Apostle Paul was still carrying on from the prison to spread the gospel through Rome and through uh, even emperor's house, the Emperor Nero's house and household and also sending people out to other parts. He was doing all that from jail. He was like a mafia kind, kind of guy. He was, he was running the gospel right there from the prison, you know. And so they decided they would send a man. The church in Philippi was going to send one of their congregation members, one of their leaders, to help Paul send with an offering. And so they sent Epaphroditus to Rome from Philippi. Well, uh, Epaphroditus brought some much-needed things to Paul as well as a good report of how strong uh, the church in Philippi was and the ministry that was ongoing and, and the people that were, you know, and, 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 and the Apostle Paul was so elated to find out this information. And reports must have passed back and forth between Rome and the Apostle Paul and the church because at some point we know that Epaphroditus became very sick and he almost died. And although Epaphroditus recovered, one of his great concerns, that one of the great concerns that Epaphroditus had was his concern for his friends and his church members, his congregation, his church family in Philippi, because he knew that they had heard that he was so sick and he was about to die. He was concerned because he knew that they were sad and they were sorry because they, 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 uh, you know, they just needed to know he was okay. And so Epaphroditus was very sad and sorrowful that, they, that, that he had gotten sick and he had made them feel sad. And he wanted them to know that he was okay. So... Uh, later that year, the, AD, the year A.D. 62, as best I can uh, research, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. It's possible that Epaphroditus penned it himself. I don't know that for certain. But there in prison in Rome, in jail, under, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in resident arrest, the Apostle Paul writes this letter, and of course you know that I'm talking about this New Testament book, this epistle to the church in Philippi, this New Testament book we have as the book of Philippians. Okay? And uh, Paul sent uh, this letter, this book of Philippians, to the Philippian church by the hands of Epaphroditus. Okay? 
And uh, there's, there's, there's reason to believe that Timothy was with him as well. But he sent Epaphroditus back so that people could see him and see that he was okay. And, you know, uh, th th these things are, are, you know, uh, are, are important to us even today. So let's read a few verses that, uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote so that hopefully we can learn how this applies to our life today. You see, there's no word of God that's void of power. And when we read across these names or read across these people, uh, they, they played key roles in what God was doing. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes uh, when we explore these things, as the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, the Apostle Paul said, as we study these things in depth, we can often glean uh, what God wants to say to us that may have been hidden in just some passing of reading of a scripture without stopping to really say, okay, who was this guy? And, uh, and I've never taught on him. So, I mean, in all this five million plus words that I've written about the Bible, this is my, these are my first words uh, to ever teach about, uh, about him. Okay, so we find the, 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 the word um, um, and, and his name, Epaphroditus, his character, Bible character, mentioned twice in the main body of this letter to the church in Philippi, to the congregation in Philippi. Let's read from Philippians 2. Okay, uh, Philippians 2, reading from the New King James Version, verse 24. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick for indeed he was sick almost unto death but God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on but 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 on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in high esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Interesting, huh? Now, we do not know and we, we, we cannot discern from these writings what you know, caused Epaphroditus to begin to suffer in some illness or sickness. We don't know what it was. Oh, we can imagine. I mean, I've, 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 I've spent some time trying to imagine what, what might have happened. I don't know. Did he, did he go out witnessing in the rain, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the cold? Uh, you know, did, 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 did he, you know, catch some something from somebody else that he was serving or did he did he wear himself out did he have to go out and work so hard and work so long in in in, in helping uh to supply uh, you know the need of the apostle paul and to help fund the gospel that he worked himself into some exhaustive state and became you know uh you know sick or uh you know in 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 some other way uh you know uh, you know infirmed or infected to where he almost died because he did not consider himself, 
He rather considered the gospel, and he worked so hard, he worked so long, he gave so much that he put himself in harm's way. And in that harm's way, it ended up almost costing him his life without his concern. He did not concern himself, uh, not regarding his life. Verse 30 says, he, he, he did not consider the danger at hand more important than his service to the ministry. And that cost him either to get sick, it cost him to wear himself down, it cost him to do something to the point to where he almost died. And, you know, information and prayer requests was sent back from Rome to the church in Philippi that they might also pray and undergird him in prayer. And certainly he recovered, but they had not yet heard of his recovery. So now the Apostle Paul is not wanting them. He doesn't want to be sorry because they're sorry. He doesn't want to be sorry you know, uh, because they feel like they may have lost. So he's sending them back because you know, here uh, Epaphroditus is distressed because what is his family and friends and church you know, uh, goers are going to think. And, and also the Apostle Paul said, and I'll be less sorrowful as well. It'll also take a burden off my shoulders to know that you're not sorry. And treat him well, because men like this are hard to come by. You know, he was doing this on your behalf. You're the one that sent him. And he was making up what was lacking that you were unable to take care of. Wow. Amazing, huh? Uh, you know, the service he performed to meet Paul's needs and the furtherance of the gospel... He did on behalf of the congregation at Philippi. That's what the Apostle Paul has said. He was doing this because you sent him to do it. I mean, how many times have we sent people out to do something and they get there and it's hard, it's difficult, and sometimes they get sick. Sometimes, you know, it, 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 uh, the, but, but they go and work on behalf of our church, on behalf of our mission, on behalf of the gospel, on behalf of the kingdom of God. You know, uh, uh, you know this year we have collectively... Uh, um, um, seen so many of the servants that we have sent out uh, Church on the Rock through the years we have so, seen so many promoted to their heavenly reward because of their service to the Lord and uh, last year was no different uh, you know minister after minister missionary after missionary family member after family member you know uh, um, gosh uh, these, these people are hard to come by. In fact, we're told that in, in the year 1900, if you received a call from God to go to the African continent to evangelize the African continent, and by the way, today the African continent is 80% evangelized. But if you got sent there, if you received a call or your, your, your son or daughter received a call to go to the African continent in the year 1900, many times, if possible, they packed their belongings in a casket and carried it with them because within two years they would be dead. From malnutrition, from malaria, from other diseases, or from being executed by the very people that they went to bring the gospel to. It's not uncommon. The sickness here with Epaphroditus came about, as Paul indicates, from the extra service that he was doing. 
not from his initial visit or his initial you know offerings but from those things which he continued to do the extra service that he was provided above those things that he first brought from the philippian church again which he did on behalf of the congregation that sent him out philippians the fourth chapter we see uh epaphroditus mentioned again as paul is bringing this letter to its uh, it's it's uh, close to its conclusion he said in verse 16 for even in thessalonica now this was only just a few days after leaving philippi back you know 11 years earlier okay back 11 years earlier and you know when the apostle paul had been in jail and and got out of jail in philip in, in, in philippi and had to leave he only spent about three weeks in thessalonica but here he's saying for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Even during those three weeks, right after you got born again, right after the church started, I mean, right after this just jailhouse conversion, right after, you know, this, this, this deliverance, right after the church first was birthed, in the first few, you sent to my needs. Even when I was yet in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessities. You see, there are necessities to carry on the gospel of, 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 of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul remembered their faithfulness and he remembered the support of the Philippian believers. Uh, you know, it was above a decade earlier when these things had taken place. You know, there's, there's always a fond memory. Uh, if you come and, 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 and sit in, just sit in secret at my, at, at my dinner table and here as we reminisce of all of those people over the last 40 years that have helped to carry on the gospel ministry by encouraging me, praying for me, sharing with me, entrusting uh, their, their gifts and their offerings and, and what we have done around all the world with these things that we have gotten to do. Listen, there are fond memories. I'm here to testify to you that the Apostle Paul is not having some, some special or some isolated memory here. There are memories in your life as well about those who first helped you, those who walked with you, those who encouraged you, those who made a difference in your life there are always fond memories of those who helped us to do the work of the Lord in times past uh, just as though you know it, 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 it was happening today it was constantly right here every time one of one of the every time I get a, a notification that that some you know former church member congregation member that you know I pastored in you know, the first and the second, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I ministered every time, you know, a Bible study leader or a host in a home, you know, and uh, all, uh, when I drive through a city, you know, I, uh, driving north, you know, uh, we, we, we used to attend uh, 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 eight Bible studies every week. I would drive eight Bible studies, and we would drive from city to city and go to house to house to people that would host them. This is back in 1980. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and do, a, do a circuit. And, and each, you know, uh, you know, gosh, every time I drive through a city up in northeast Texas and, and was one of the cities or past a street, I, I can't help myself and say, you know, you remember? Do you know, uh, you know, these people, they blessed, you know, these people made sandwiches for us. Do you remember? Do you remember? You remember what, what, what that one minister said whenever they said, would you like a sandwich? He said, no, thank you, but I'll take the money. 
Why? Because I knew I was the one driving the van. It was a borrowed van, and we had $2.65 in which to get from Tyler back to Texarkana on for gas. And we didn't know if we could make it, but we went there every week to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, what, what great days. And you know what? They, they would fill up our, 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 our tank with gas, you know. They would, uh, you know, give us a watermelon. They would, you know, give us a can of peas. And let me tell you, every, every one of those cans of peas that they had canned, let me tell you, they tasted like gold on the way home because we couldn't stop at, the, at, at, a, at a fast food. We didn't, have, we didn't have a cent to our name. I remember one time I got asked if I would come to Herndon, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., to preach to a congregation that did not have a pastor and they had been hurt and it, things were difficult for them. And, and I I said, yes, I will. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you can get me there. They sent me a plane ticket. I left my home in Redwater, Texas in 1986, 87, 1987. I left my home in Redwater, Texas, and I went to Texarkana. I got on a plane, and I ended up in Herndon, Virginia. And uh, I hadn't eaten all day. I hadn't done any. I had one quarter in my pocket. That's all the money I had. I didn't have a checking account. I didn't have a savings account. I had one quarter in my pocket. And we got, uh, I got to Herndon, Virginia. And when, when the people who were ministering picked me up and took me to their home, and I stayed in their home, they told me that they fasted every Saturday. I didn't get to eat Friday or Saturday, not a bite. On top of that, they had a little four or five-year-old little boy that every time I would go to the restroom, he would come and beat on the door and holler, what are you doing in there? What are you doing in there? The next morning at church, I went and preached at church. While I was preaching at church, a couple walked in and they sat down and, 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 and they listened and they really loved what I had to, to say. And after church, they said, listen, uh, uh, we would like to take you out to eat this afternoon. I said, please. I had 25 cents in my pocket, the same 25 cents I left home with, saving it for a rainy day. His name was Frank Bakuber. I remember his name. He worked for the FBI. Frank, if you're listening to this, Haysoon, his wife's name was Haysoon Bakuber. She was Korean. And I, I haven't seen him since. Frank and Haysoon Bakuber. I don't know how you spell Bakuber. But if y'all happen to Google it, tell them I said thanks. They took me to a Korean restaurant in D.C. area. I sat down. I ate to my heart's content. I ate so much. Why? Because I didn't figure I was going to get anything else to eat. You know? I left there. No offering. Didn't expect one. Didn't want one. Would have probably gave it back if they gave it to me. I might have kept a couple of dollars for a hamburger or coke or something you know because it was a long way home they didn't fly me the, the most direct route i came back home happy as a lark let me tell you these little things you know 1986 how many years ago was 87 how many years ago was 1987 anybody uh you know got a calculator for, a brain for a calculator you know? 34 years 30 okay he's only remembering 11 years back let me tell you about a man named Frank Bakuber and his wife Haysoon, who I only saw one time in my life 
that day as they came into the church and they asked me if they could take me out to eat and I said yes and we went and ate and then they took me back to those people's house and I've never seen them again. Let me tell you how happy I was and how, how much, how blessed I was and let me tell you when I got home who I thanked God for on that trip <laughs> and who I've remembered all of these years as someone who sowed into my life I can go around right here. I can tell you about a man named Robert Benlin, who when I came to pastor this church, he knew that I didn't have, I, that was 1988. And Robert came with a friend and said, you know, come go with us. And they went and they bought me a suit, you see, because I didn't have one. We had sold everything we owned and we had given all the money to a ministry and everything that we had, we had given away. I didn't have a thing. I didn't have a car. We had two cars, sold them and gave the money to a ministry. Because the Lord said, I'm going to bring you to a place in your life where no man will be able to say they've made you rich. He said, I will make you rich. And indeed, every night that I go to bed with, with my stomach full, I count myself a rich man. It's what the Apostle Paul would later say to the church in Philippi. And it's replayed over and over in the life of minister after minister after minister after minister after minister. It's replayed over and over. You know, and, and you know, it is... And since that time, Robert could tell you that story today of he and Charlotte, of who they met here and there in Russia and in other places that all of a sudden became the one that facilitated the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you do as a congregation, what you do as an individual, what you do in the service of, of God you know, uh, that makes the difference. And, and uh, you know, he's saying in, in, in verse 16, you know, uh, listen, I, I remember you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift, he said in verse 17, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You can't imagine how many times Robert and Charlotte have prayed for the people that made that ministry possible and still pray for them today. And still ask about them. And still write them. And still connect with them. Seek fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and I abound, he said. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. It doesn't mean he sent you, you sent perfume. He's talking about here that in the nostrils of God, this offering that you sent is a sweet-smelling aroma. You can, hear, you can read about this in Corinthians 15 and, 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 and Hebrews 13 and many other places. It is a sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice unto God, well-pleasing to God whenever we share uh, with, with those that we may or may not may not know what's going on in their life, but it's for the furtherance of the gospel and, 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 you know, acceptable to God. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many times have we quoted that, but you want to know why? 
It's because of people like Epaphroditus and the congregation in Philippi that had shared and sent and cared and prayed and were, were, were you know, uh, 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 stressed over someone in some other place undergoing some hardship and that they sinned and cared about that person in that place. My goodness. You know... The Apostle Paul would say, you know, I've learned to abound, I've learned to be a base. I've been full and I've been empty. By the way, I like full better. (laughs) But, you know, this is true for you. In Philippians 2.25, he said, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Do you remember we read that earlier? Listen to what he says about Epaphroditus. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. He was a congregation member that was sent. And the Apostle Paul's testimony and his lasting legacy is this, that the Apostle Paul said Epaphroditus is my brother. What is a brother? A brother is someone who has the same heart. You see, they have a shared sympathy. They have a shared sympathy for those who do not know Christ. You know who my brothers and sisters are? Jesus said, look around, these are my brothers and sisters, my mother, my father. You know, it's those, it's you, who, who you hold a shared sympathy for those who have not yet heard, for those that are hungry, for those that are thirsty, for those that are, that are in, 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 you know, in, in prison, in some in prison of their own making, those who are blind and have not yet seen the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. My brother, he said, fellow worker. You know, you know what a fellow worker is? It's somebody that will pull along with you. They won't just have a shared sympathy, but they'll get in there and they'll pull along with you. They'll work with you. They have a shared work. Somebody that will not just say, be warmed in the field, I'm sorry, you're hungry, but will get in there and actually make it happen, will work along with you. That's what Epaphroditus did, and that's how Paul recognized him. He has a shared heart. He shares my heart, but he also shares my work. He goes out and witnesses, and he goes out and cares, and he meets the needs from his own labor. A shared fellow worker. And then he calls him a fellow soldier. Listen to this. Uh, uh, There is a shared sympathy. There's a shared work, but there's also a shared danger. Someone that will share the danger, a fellow soldier. Someone that will stand with you, not just, you know, pull a plow with you, but when the enemy comes, will stand the ground with you. Will stand beside you in conflict. Whenever others perhaps are accusing or others are perhaps, you know, know, beating you, they'll stand with you. They won't run off. They're not, you know, hirelings. They're true shepherds that care so much about the work of God and about you that they'll stand with you in conflict, in trouble, through COVID, through concern, through hurts, through hardship, through heartaches, through disappointments. They'll stand with you against the devil, against every wicked enemy that would come your way. They will stand with you. They have a shared sympathy they care. They have a shared work. They'll labor with you, but they also have a shared conflict. They won't abandon you in the midst of trouble. Wow. Do you know if I ever have anyone write something about me, especially something that's going to last forever, (laughs) I sure hope they see me like Epaphroditus. What a man of God. Huh? What a man of God. 
Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.